Hello and welcome back to The Girl Gang. You're with Katie and Phoebe. I'd like to start by acknowledging that we are working on the lands of the Wurundjeri people and that these lands were never ceded. We'd also like to pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging. And today we are... What are we doing? I think we were, we've been having a bit of a chat um, recently about... The fact that we constantly complain about middle-aged cis white men and maybe that's not the most interesting thing. I mean... It's an endless wealth of topics, but we thought we'd actually try and talk about something that makes us feel really hopeful and optimistic and happy. Yeah. I mean, comes from bad things often. Yeah. Well, I was about to say we're going to start this by talking about a school shooting in Florida, which is definitely not optimistic, happy, warm and fuzzy feelings. But the reaction that students have taken to this horrible tragedy that kind of continues to just happen over and over again in the U.S., is to really stand up and say, actually, enough is enough. And if our politicians aren't going to do anything about it, we're going to. So on the day that you're listening to this episode, if we get it out on time, Wednesday, the 14th of March, March. (laughs) um, students in the US will be walking out all across the country for 17 minutes in protest of the 17 lives that were recently lost in Florida. And I think the thing is that it's really indicative of a lot of stuff you see from particularly, I suppose, the people coming up a couple of years behind us. Generation Z, as we have discovered, they are called. Um, who are just so engaged in so many ways, but also I, I love it when people who are under the age where they're allowed to vote, but where policy is always going to affect their lives, just say that's enough, actually. Really kind of, I guess, standing up for their rights and the rights of people around them. Um, and I think like a huge amount of like empathy and understanding yeah, and I think that's that's the thing I really love about that generation. And, like, I'd include people like my younger sister in that age oh, group. Oh, absolutely. Is that, like, there's so much empathy in it and there's so much room for people to have different experiences and that be fine. I think it's really, like, embracing differences, whereas previously, like, we might have tolerated them, which is yeah. a word I really, really bloody loathe. Um <laughs> I would also, Let's tolerate multiculturalism in Australia. I'd also, yeah, tolerating just implies that there is something there that you have to put up with. But I'd also like to acknowledge that, like, generations generally as a concept are not often useful, this whole pitting generations against each other and what's wrong with the youth of today and what's wrong with our Millennials, why are they spending their money on avocados? We could be buying houses. And, you know, there's better gauges for things, like, the, there are better... social factors that can be looked at for understanding where people come from but particularly like I think we're just a little bit in awe of the people who are younger than us and just really fucking excelling at being great human beings yeah um and there's like I particularly love a lot of the stuff I see with that age group around gender and sexuality and it not just being any more about a pushback against what has been but about an opening up to a variety of options yeah, absolutely. It's, I guess, like what I was saying before, it's not even about tolerance or understanding. It's just blanket acceptance and yeah. be what you want to be and fuck anyone that tells you that you can't be. <laughs> just things like most of the, uh, most of my friends who are queer didn't come out until they were in their early 20s, pretty typically. Yeah, it was when we were through the university years, I suppose, because yeah. a lot of our friends did go to uni. Um. Whereas, sorry, where you were going? I can <laughs> oh. interrupt and say that there's, a, well, my 
conservative rural Catholic school that I went to, I don't think that there was any, and there certainly wasn't many openly queer people, and there was no openly gender diverse people at all. Uh, but very recently, my school has come out and um, the principal, who is actually a Morris brother, very, very conservative Catholic church leader, um, wrote a letter to all of the parents saying there's two uh, children that go to the school and they've come out as trans. And as part of our Catholic values, we're going to just like embrace this and let them wear what uniforms they want. And we, it's our job to like educate ourselves and, you know, That's such a shift, yeah, like a massive shift. And I don't I'm like I'm not going to credit the Catholic Church for that shift I'm going to credit the young people that were really pushing for these things and I think in some ways like I can imagine particularly as teenagers there are ways that like this kind of openness would make their lives easier and harder but I think particularly in that period where you're figuring out who you are a bit which is a never-ending project I'm not there yet but having the support of your peers who don't mind who you want to be and don't mind that you're figuring it out because I also know that like I think particularly with our age group there are a lot of people who feel like they didn't come out because they weren't firmly one thing yes whereas now you can be like well I'm not firmly one thing this is what I'm doing now and I might be doing something else tomorrow or I don't even want to name the thing I'm just gonna do things and that's how it is yeah that's good enough for me but it's and like I think the thing is genuine sexuality is where you see it the most but as an attitude I just fucking love it. Like, it's only going to bring good to the world. Definitely. And I think the amount of, like, growing and learning and, you know, that we went through in the last, I don't know, since we were in high school, I think we can both admit we did shit things when we were teenagers and held some thoughts that we would definitely not, uh, like, hold today. So I'm really interested to see how this kind of continues and where it, where people end up in their early 20s or 30s who already have such amazing kind of radical views on things. uh, Part of what I love about it is that it is that attitude that's accompanying of all kinds of things and they seem like it seems to so easily and almost thoughtlessly but in like a good way be applied to other aspects. So they think it might be things like mental health or weight or race or religion but it's it's a kind of acceptance I think we haven't seen as much before no and I think part of it and maybe this is a tiny fraction of where generations actually make sense because just before I looked up like what are the generations and what defines them and technology was a really big one um, that kind of separates these generations out from each other and I think being kind of saturated with internet use definitely has its downsides and it's certainly not all good but things like tumblr have really helped young people especially form these opinions and educate themselves and expand their worldview in a way that they otherwise wouldn't have had the opportunity to and also connect and organize and build movements in a way that you wouldn't have been able to in the past no definitely not yeah and yeah i think you're right with that i think it's a large part of it is that They've grown up connected to the world in a way and connected to a variety of people and experiences in a way that we weren't. We were, and it was coming in in our teens, but we weren't, we didn't grow up with it the whole way. And the world's like especially turbulent at the moment, but in a way where people feel like I think there's power to shift it or at a bit of a tipping point, perhaps. Yeah. And I'd like to think that these teenagers 
young people are going to push it in a direction that I want to see. There's actually, um, with that stuff, there's a great thing about younger people these days are less likely to get involved in institutions and more likely to view themselves simply as an activist. I really like that. I really like that too. It's like they're less likely to go join a political party, but they will go strap themselves to a truck if that's going to stop the truck going and taking trees away. (laughs) They're more willing to put... It's activism that's more self-oriented, which has downsides, but it's activism where people are really willing to stand up for what they believe in personally rather than institutions. And we all know how much you can't always change institutions from within and sometimes you just have to fucking strap yourself to that train line and say, sorry, coal train. I was going to say coal ship, but coal ships do not use train lines. (laughs) You're not moving today. No, no. But yeah, so that's just kind of our little love letter to Gen Z. Yeah, keep it up. You're fucking ace and you inspire us and you, honestly, you make us better people. Like the amount of times my sister has called me out on shit and it helps. It's good. I like having young people in my life who call me out. Yeah, absolutely. Keep educating. I I don't uh, want to be an old person who doesn't know what's good anymore. No, I don't want to be an old person that doesn't know what's good anymore. And I like already feel a little bit behind the times, but I'm glad that there's these young people with so much enthusiasm kind of that keep pushing boundaries and keep me educating myself. So you're fucking great. Keep it up. And on to our interview. Welcome back to the Girl Gang, episode three. Very exciting. And we're here interviewing Tess today. Hello. Thanks for coming in, Tess. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself to everyone? Sure. Um, I am Tess. I am from Melbourne. I um, uh, studied nutrition at university. I finished my Bachelor of Human Nutrition in 2016. And I went travelling last year around Australia. And then I decided that I would go back and do my Masters of Dietetics. And that's what I'm doing this year. So what is dietetics? So dietetics is... (sighs) Great question. Put me on the spot. (laughs) Um, uh, So dietetics is... um, (laughs) <laughs> what you study to be a dietitian that'll give you more clues <laughs> more clues yeah definitely. Um, so I guess it's the study of um uh like nutrition in treating diseases um as well as prevention cool and what made you realize that you wanted to go back and study again um so I'd always had in my mind that I wanted to do dietetics while I was doing um my undergrad and then halfway through I was like I hate this I don't, I don't like who I'm studying with. I don't feel like I like fit in. Um, I don't really know if I do want to work in the field. Um, and so I was more interested in public health because I think that was, um, was a lot more broad and I liked like the social aspect of it. I like health promotion and community development and stuff like that. Um, so I wanted to do public health after I finished. And then, um, I, what did I do? I joined, I joined some Facebook groups, um, of dietitians and I was exposed to a whole group of people who were kind of not focused on weight loss and actually against it. <laughs> and so that... you found people outside of Freely the Banana Girl. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and diet Paleo nutrition. Pete. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, people is who... Is paleo Pete actually a person? Yeah. That's all. Pete Evans, the chef. Oh, God. The right. activated almonds. Yeah. He's real. But is he? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. The cost of soaking almonds for 24 hours is very real, though. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just found, yeah, this group of people who were kind of... Um, more about people and real people, not just about like losing weight without considering any of the effects of that. Um, and like more interested in like social justice and things like that related to food. And then I was like, oh, maybe I'll still go and do public health. And then I was like, everything I'm interested in with public health is still about food. So <laughs> I should probably just go and do dietetics. <laughs> and then find things within that that fit in with your philosophy rather than trying yeah. to make everything in public health about food exactly exactly <laughs> and how's it going it's going well i'm halfway through my second week fantastic um, and yeah i'm already learning heaps i've realized that i'm kind of interested in aged care which is cool um yeah how do things like social systems relate to dietetics everything about food and eating and bodies and like the food system and all of that like it relates to social systems like um you know, whether you have access to food, whether it's the food that you want to be eating, um, whether you can, you know, store it properly, whether you have, you know, like fridge, freezer, whatever, whether you can get to the shops if it's too far away, um, whether you like actually have the knowledge to cook the food, if you have the time, like if you're working too much, if you've got like three kids to feed and, you know, two jobs, like how do you do that? Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's all like intensely social. Yeah. decided in a lot of ways. Absolutely. And I think... I think it's hard sometimes coming from a scientific background because nutrition and dietetics, like it is, it's almost completely like that kind of um, what we think as science. Like, you know, we do like physiology and anatomy and chemistry, biochemistry, like we do all of that and we don't actually do a lot of like social science. And so I think it's hard for people to understand when they've just had that training, how to like fit them together. Um, but it is like, it's so, it's so linked. Like how can, how can you, um, talk to a person about food or or eating or whatever and not consider those things yeah like they're not separate <laughs> you have to talk to them about your, their lives yeah exactly yeah. yeah so going back to uni mm. and you found uh people in the field that you really liked and were inspired by and were following the same kind of philosophy as you yeah have you found those people at uni or do they just exist in the internet so far <laughs> <laughs> um so i think i They've got to exist at uni. They just have to. <laughs> I can't be the only one. <laughs> um, but I think, um, I, and there were people in my undergrad who I like, as time went on, like I found out that we had similar um, philosophies and whatever, and that's continued for them as well, which is really great. Um, like the cohort that I was with, we were combined nutrition and dietetics. So the dietetic students that I knew, like are all quite similar, which is cool because they're out there practicing now. Um but yeah, I mean, it's only week two. I have hope. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> plenty of time to find. There's plenty of time, and also it's really good. My course is quite um, proactive about including like we have like you know I mean it's not a lot, but we have half a day of lectures about like non diet approaches to like nutrition counselling and stuff. Whereas a lot of unis like have ten minutes, so it's at least like built into the curriculum um and I'm really excited for them to all hear it because apparently you just like see like a change immediately like their eyes will like light up and they're like oh my god like it makes sense like so I'm super excited for 
the whole cohort to go through that <laughs> but yeah and then be on the same page as you are finally like we got there yeah I, I I hope so like I mean there's always going to be people that you disagree with um and that's okay but I think yeah it's, it's a good starting people. point yeah yeah and what are your thoughts on diet clearly not a fan do you <laughs> not, want to elaborate <laughs> um yeah I guess yeah not a fan of diets I think they don't work um you know like 95% of people will have gained what they lost or more after five years of losing weight. And there's actually a lot of sight, like um, consequences of losing weight, whether that's like um, mental health stuff or like, you know, like um, you can wreck your metabolism. There's like reduced immunity, like bone health, things like that, um, that are like really hard to recover from. Um, and I don't think that people would necessarily understand that they're only looking at what might happen if they lose weight which might not happen anyway and you can achieve those things by not losing weight um so something I'm really passionate about is concept I guess anyway um which is health at every size um which is that people can um uh strive for and achieve like health outcomes regardless of what they weigh so for example like changing your diet and having you know like more fresh fruits like you can do that and have positive outcomes in health regardless of whether or not you lose weight yeah um yeah and I think that that's super important and like yeah that's getting more traction which is really cool yeah so I'm interested in that and then um there's like kind of like a general umbrella of like non-diet approaches um and that can include like intuitive eating which is kind of like that we all intrinsically know how to eat and what to eat and how much and, you know, what we like, but that generally we all kind of lose it to some degree, <laughs> um, which is from, like, messages of dieting and, you know, you know, like, um, I don't know if when you were a kid, like, if your parents were like, oh, you have to eat everything on your plate before you can have this. And so you've just totally overridden, like, your body's, like, natural regulation like kids know how much to eat <laughs> it's, I still can't leave any food on my plate yeah yeah like I'll totally. make myself feel a little bit sick because I cannot bear to leave food on my plate yeah see I think I was lucky in that my dad had very strict rules around what he could and couldn't eat when he was a kid and yeah. so he was like no I genuinely was quite traumatized by my mum mm. making me like she would sit there and watch me eat all of my food until I felt sick because I couldn't leave things on my plate yeah so it was always in my family it was like if you're done you're done you can just like get up yeah um I guess there was definitely still a bit of that like you've got to eat your greens or you're not getting dessert but it wasn't yeah. like we're going to sit here and watch you finish this meal even if you're like 12 years old and just not hungry for some reason yeah like, exactly like you think of it now like as an adult like you're not the same level of hungry as every day or at every meal. Like sometimes I wake up and I'm not hungry until like 10 a.m. And other times I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, I'm get so me through hungry. Now. I yeah. can't even get to the shower before having yeah, a snack. Exactly. And it, like it changes every day. And why wouldn't that happen for kids? It's just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like I already know the answer to this, but I want to hear a bit of a, a bit of a rant. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thoughts on fads that kind of, I probably didn't start with, but maybe peaked with things like Biggest Loser. So my thoughts on yeah. things like that. Yeah, these, I guess the mixture of like diet and nutrition and these probably quite warped yeah. views on what health is and yeah. then airing them to the masses every single day at 7pm. I think like it's just really irresponsible. It's, um, I can't believe that things like that exist um, and that, yeah, like that it's promoted and, you know, there's advertising that goes into it and all of those things and that, yeah, people get paid from it and it's just, it's 
so fucked up. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, I've lost. I'm like, I hate it so much. <laughs> no words, just anger. <laughs> just anger. I just, I just really hate diets. <laughs> you mentioned that there's like peer pressure and kind of judgment within cohorts of what people are bringing to lunch. Yeah. Is that something that you struggle with or? Yeah, totally. Um, I think, yeah, like there's, uh, I don't, I don't know why, but I think we all feel it. I mean, I do know why, but we all have this like pressure to bring like what we think is like the perfect lunch, you know, like, you know, like the other day I had this like brown rice salad and this girl's like, oh, you're so good. I just like have a tin of baked beans. I'm like, no, that's totally fine. Like that's all you could do today. Or that's what you want to eat. I like, I, I'm, there's no judgment here. <laughs> like absolutely zero. Like I'm not a better person for like having this salad that I made. Like, Yeah. That's another thing, like the whole like good and bad of food. Like, yeah, I was about to say, there's yeah, so many so many moral concepts tied in with food. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, when so I was interested in all of this stuff with food and nutrition, like when I was a teenager, like I have a history of like yo-yo dieting and um, friends with disordered eating and whatever, and I kind of came to it then, and then I lost it for a few years. But um, yeah, like one of the first books that I read which um, I just still love. It's called If Not Dieting, Then What? And it's by this um, this doctor and he, like his first kind of thing that he did out of medical school was working in um, like a bariatric surgery, I think. And so, and then he like came to this whole thing of like diets don't work and like all of this different stuff. Um, and it's kind of like one of the earlier books. He's, he's Australian as well. So it's kind of like one of the first ones here. But um, he, there's this line, it's, what is it? It's something like, um, it's like along the lines of like food is not, you know, morally, like food is not, there's like no morality of food. Like it's not no. good or bad. Like it's neutral. Like mor- food is morally neutral. Yeah. <laughs> I got that. <laughs> and I think that's so important. And I think like so many people have that in their heads that like they're good or bad for eating a certain way or having a certain meal. And I think that that's really dangerous because like it totally, like I understand the reasons behind it. Like, um, I guess I hate even like just saying like healthy food, but like food that maybe has more nutrition than other foods. Like, um, like I can understand why you'd want to like promote that, but, um, I think it just like sends people the other way and it's so like black and white, whereas it's not. And you also like, if you have to consider foods within the whole diet as well, like it's not just like one nutrient in one food, you know, like it's the whole day and the whole life. And it's like, yeah. And I think it's also like, um, I'm really interested in um, like kids and food. Um, so I've done like a lot of cooking with kids and teaching kids about healthy eating, which I have some mixed feelings on now. <laughs> and like there are kids who, you know, like you hear them say like, oh no, I can't eat that. I'm on a diet. And they're like five years old. And it's like, where have they picked Jeez. that up from? Or, you know, like a kid like saying at a party, like, oh no, I can't have that birthday cake. Like it's poison because their mum's saying that or their dad's saying that. Like, yeah, I've that's definitely not heard okay. Kids say that. Yeah. yeah. And in what world is that healthy for them either? It's like, it's just not. And so I think like a lot of work needs to be done around that. Like, how do you, and like kids at like certain ages, like they can't understand those concepts of it not being black and white. Like to them, it just is. And I think that's really dangerous. I read a news article, I can't remember who it was, like maybe Ashley, Ashley Bynes, oh Ashley God, Bynes. Stop it. <laughs> had like a program, it was like an app that was for kids to download and do like dancing, get up and move exercises. 
But her whole thing is like bikini body challenge, which is yeah. pretty disgusting and kind of misogynistic and mm. shit and plays into mm. a whole lot of bad things. Yeah. Mm. And then like that, but marketed to like six-year-olds. Can kids just like shouldn't, I mean, no one should be worried about that, but like especially not kids. Like they should just be like running around with their friends and I don't know. What do kids do? And kids. Yeah, be kids. Yeah. Build cubby houses. Like, just have a great time. And kids yeah. being kids is usually getting exercise a lot of the time. Yeah. Like, yeah. they've got this energy and they probably want to be expending it. Yeah. And they just, As someone they that babysits a four-year-old frequently, like, <laughs> yeah. they don't stop. No. <laughs> I think also the thing with the moral stuff is, like, particularly with children, certain foods are so often rewards for certain behaviours and that ties Absolutely. into it. And, like... And I think that's something you carry with you into adulthood a bit. Yeah. Like the idea that I've either earned this food mm. or I have not earned it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think like to some degree, I think that, I don't know, because like then there's also like whether it was like a celebration and it was something yeah. like that. And so then that's kind of like, I mean, it's more normal. Yeah. But um, yeah, totally like that reward system. And yeah. What, were we talking about that? <laughs> On <Yeah>. here. <laughs> Um, I'm we sorry. <laughs> do this health study at the work that Tess and I used to both work at. Classic. Um, and you ask people how often they eat various types of food and it's like hot chips and salty biscuits and like you go through a bunch of like, I guess, typically like unhealthy foods. Mm. Uh, there were air quotations there. I've just remembered I'm not on <laughs> video. Um, and you always get to the questions about like chocolate and ice cream and people go, oh, this is my weakness. This is where I'm really bad. I don't even want to tell you. And it's like. I'm not judging you. I no. don't care what you eat. If you, to me, it's not really normal to not eat any, like chocolates or ice creams. Like it's something that That's is a social thing more than anything. It's, like, it's also everyone does it, mm. and yet everyone feels awful for it. Yeah. Why? Why do we have to feel like that? <laughs> we just shouldn't. And I think like and often like um feelings like that are related to restricting your intake of that like if you feel like oh I can't have this I haven't deserved it you know like blah blah blah. like then you're gonna want it more and then when you do eat it you're gonna eat like twice as much as you would have wanted to earlier so you should have just had like a bit then like have like one piece of chocolate and be like totally satisfied that's a joke you won't be (laughs) I won't be (laughs) you know like you know like it's just like that kind of like restricting your intake and not listening to what you actually want or need there's another really good um quote um that i like in that book that i mentioned if not dieting then what um and it's um like kind of like teaching yourself like how to listen to your body again and it's something like oh i can have it if i want it but do i really feel like it so like allowing yourself to eat whatever you want but do you actually want it like yeah i think that's that's a that's a good exercise to do sometimes I, I quite that. like that. It reminds me of something, I can't actually remember who it was that said it to me, but it was a few years ago and it stuck with me. When you're feeling really hungry, but you're probably just like bored or frustrated or restless, yeah. ask yourself, would I eat a banana? Yeah. Like, if I like would eat a banana, then yes, you're hungry, go and eat something. And if you're like, no, actually, I probably wouldn't eat a banana. You're like, well, it's probably not hunger. I think I need to like yeah. do something else and like get out of this head. Yeah. Like, mind, for a walk, mindset. Yeah. Or... As someone who like <laughs> snacks constantly when I'm at work and just like not making progress, yeah, just not a, not a bad thing. I but like, think, but yeah, that kind of either like emotional or like um, 
mindless, but it's not, you know, it's not really. But anyway, but those kinds of, like, so it's totally normal as part of, like, a whole diet to do some of that kind of eating. Like, it's not, like, yeah, you it'd always be know weird that if this you is what I want to eat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to happen. No, sometimes you're just going to go through Coles and buy a packet of slightly salty, slightly sweet popcorn and yeah, eat the are. whole thing before you get home. Yeah. You'll go up to the counter and you've, like, had half of it and they're like, yeah, they'll just scan it and you're like, yeah, I know, I've eaten half of it, don't worry. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> they still know where the barcode is, it's fine. <laughs> or you do what I do and I'm going through self-serve and then, like, nice. all the buttons start beeping oh because God. the weight's wrong. And oh I'm like, God. oh, sorry, I ate half of it. <laughs> they're still getting the money yeah um i feel like we've talked a fair bit about what you don't like about uni (laughs) sure Uh, yeah but you did say that you've really found like a supportive network within the people you've studied with as well yeah yeah i think um finding dietitians and health professionals who think in the same way is um really important and like yeah I'm in this Facebook group with like 3,000 people who are dietitians nutritionists there's a couple of like um, personal trainers and stuff and they're all like working towards this like health at every size and like body positivity whatever um yeah and I think that's really important and that's yeah that's what made me feel able to go back to uni like I to know that I had support outside and that I would possibly find it at uni was really important for me like um like so I describe myself as fat um but I do want to say like I'm like small fat <laughs> I'm not I'm like you know I'm a size 16 18 like anyway um but in my cohort like that is significantly larger than the other people that I go to uni with um and I think also like having like a number of other like factors like I'm gay I'm chronically ill like all of these different things like um I've just always felt like a kind of separateness um, between the people I go to uni with, which I think is sometimes valid and sometimes not. I think I definitely put up walls when I was in my undergrad, like, um, which was about protecting myself and I understand why I did that, but I don't want to do it again. (laughs) I want to be more open. (laughs) Um, I want to make some friends this time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, knowing that there is diversity within the profession and knowing that there are dietitians of different sizes and yeah it's just like it's super important like to have role models and people that you can talk to about like hey I'm having this issue with this thing or you know I'm really worried about this lecture like how do you think I should deal with it or something like that um yeah just knowing that you're not totally alone in this world yeah I'm not alone it's good I mean that's kind of what the podcast is about (laughs) right yeah so like as someone outside of that industry I like knowing that there are people in it who don't fit my scary idea of what dietitians are and how they will judge you. Mm. Like, I think that is a thing that as an industry can only be a better thing. Mm. And like when I voice those concerns to people, I've kind of got this like mentor relationship going on with this one dietitian who I'm, I love, I love her anyway. <laughs> and she's like, like, I'm just being really selfish here, but like, we need you, <laughs> like we need you to do this and to, you know, work towards diversifying like the profession because it's going to help us and it's going to help all of our patients and clients. Like, um, I was actually listening to this podcast this morning about this fat nutrition student asking this dietitian, um, and, they were like, you know, I think the, the person had like written a letter and they were like, you know, no one wants to see a fat dietitian. And this, um, the person responding was like, that's just not true. Like there would be lots of people that would be a lot more comfortable with someone that, um, like was more similar in their, 
or size or whatever and like to know that they probably have like they have a better idea of what you're going through and not necessarily more empathy but just like yeah a better understanding of what it's like it's like going to see any doctor or anyone where you're like oh I mean for myself I prefer to see female doctors yeah I've one I've had bad experiences with a middle-aged old white man (laughs) (laughs) but it's like you're going to get where I'm coming from a little bit more like yeah totally it's like I find anyone in the mental health industry who seems super put together really intimidating Mm. when you walk in just like this I'm not ready to unravel my mess of a life. Yeah. (laughs) Mm. I don't want to cry in front of you because I feel like you're going to judge me. Yeah. Yeah. And when they're like so cold, they're like, be a person with me here. (laughs) We know that diversity is so important in any profession. So Mm. why would nutrition and diet be any different? Yeah, totally. I think, um, yeah. And I think it's getting better. There's more people who either identify as being diverse in some way or at least supporting people who are yeah yay (laughs) um did you have anything you wanted to kind of a parting message perhaps or should (laughs) we will Um... ask our favorite question at the end (laughs) take home for the masses (laughs) um i guess don't diet don't diet if you feel like you're struggling with things around that with food and eating and whatever like um there's a lot of resources out there um there's a lot of books some are better than others <laughs> i'll have a whole list somewhere <laughs> but there's a couple of websites there's um health not diets and that's fiona willer who's a dietitian in queensland she has um a whole heap of really great resources and a free um like online course about health at every size um she's also got a really good thing at the moment which is unpacking weight science which sounds amazing and i'm going to sign up and then um yeah there's just there's lots of things out there that you can read and get help with if you need that or you know someone who needs that yeah and we might <laughs> rack your brain and your internet history a little bit and yeah. post some of those things cool yeah. <laughs> everyone sounds definitely because <laughs> it is unfair to expect you to rattle them off the top of your head <laughs> in a probably 40 degree room <laughs> it is getting sweaty yeah it is getting very warm <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, so mm-hmm. the closing question. You ready? I'm You've ready. prepped? I hope it's the same. What are you like going to spring like this random question on me? What would okay. your personalised number plate be? Yeah, okay. So I did think about this. So I am the only one that can drive in my close group of gal friends. And so I Hello, lovingly... designated driver yeah, for Golden exactly. Plates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I um, lovingly refer to myself and my car as mum's taxi. So I think that that would be my number plate. Would just be Mum's taxi. I like oh, had I one like, of those. Like, I really little, like that. Like, That's just things. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you might have like cushions and like maybe like oh a, a rug or something in the back. Just I in have. Case you I've got wrap a rug. Up, like... I've got like a first aid kit. I've got. Um, there's probably a bottle of there's sunscreen in there. There's hats. There's insect repellent. Like. I've oh my god! This is Mum's taxi. <laughs> Mum's taxi. So yeah. after you kind of. <laughs> disappeared driving through central australia you're like i need to be prepared for anything because oh, yeah. if i've got a bad day at uni i might just nip back off to alice springs so true yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right well we'll close it up here i suppose cool thank you thank so you. much for coming on and Thanks dealing with the me. unbearable heat yeah. no that's all right <laughs> all right thanks so hope you enjoyed the interview uh we certainly did and we'll be posting um, some of the stuff Tess recommends both in there and um, things that she's going to send us later. 
on our Facebook. Yes, but now we're going to talk about books. And we did promise in the last episode that we were going to read more and it was to hold ourselves, you know, accountable for our lack of reading in the last few weeks. But as you may have noticed, the last episode was late and we only recorded it three days ago and we've both been really busy. I don't, I certainly haven't picked up a book in that time. No, no. But instead, we're just going to tell you about the best things we read last year because, well, we haven't told you yet. (laughs) Brand new. All right, take it away. But I've just... Fine, okay, I'll go first. (laughs) Um, The best thing I read last year was Roxane Gay's Difficult Women. Yep. It was incredible. I have a pretty boring job that doesn't require that much thought. And so I started reading it at work and within three pages, my face was just streaming with tears. I was like, why the fuck did I choose this book while I'm sitting in an office? I actually had the exact same thing with that book. I um, went out on a cigarette break at work and came back in crying five minutes later and you don't expect it like I cry at books a fair bit but not often within the first couple of pages no I don't even think I'd finished the first page and there were tears welling in the back of my eyes um if you haven't read it and you don't know about it it's a collection of short stories written by fabulous as fuck uh black feminist from the states um she's also queer and a part of what Phoebe and I were talking about last week in that it like reading from different perspectives just makes you so aware about what the default is. Oh God. Yeah. With her, like, especially cause it's yeah. Her writing's beautiful and engaging. Yeah. And, and also real. It always feels so tangible for me. Absolutely. And then you've made this assumption about one of the characters and suddenly it turns out they're like both women, but the woman's having an affair with another man. And it's like, I think we had the that same experience with that same story in this collection, yeah. <laughs> and you just suddenly go, oh, fuck, my worldview is so heteronormative. And then once you realise that, you're like, oh, fuck, these characters are probably all black as well because she's quite autobiographical in the way she writes. Yeah. No, and it's, I think maybe that's part of why her writing's so moving, but it's also like, have you ever looked at her Twitter? Yeah, she's amazing. She's, like, hilarious and witty and doesn't take shit and she's incredible. I dragged myself out of bed with tonsillitis, no, laryngitis last year when I hadn't been out of the house in three days because I got last minute tickets to see her talk. And just everything she does is great. And I think when I first, like, I first read Bad Feminist of hers, I borrowed it from the library, so I didn't own a copy, which is fine because, you know, capitalism, I don't need to own things. (laughs) But she was doing book signing, so I bought the book and now I am certifiably a bad feminist because it's signed by her. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And I reread that again last year. So that was another great book I read. Basically, just read everything that Roxane Gay has touched and you'll yeah. be happy, whether it's her short stories or essays or tweets. Yeah. Do it. Well, it's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure lots of people have heard of her, but like it cannot be reiterated often enough. Um, she is the fucking best. <laughs> Said <yeah>. it. There. <laughs> She's, yeah, also the author of Bad Feminist, um, Hunger which was um, a memoir of her relationship with her body and food. Which I haven't actually read yet because you promised you'd loan it to me. Yeah, and then I loaned it to my sister, but I will get it to you because it's really, really good. Um, <laughs> but it's, um, I mean, as with our interview with Tess just earlier, I think I, want, I loaned it to my sister first because we had a similar upbringing, obviously, with the same parents. So I wanted to have a, um, a conversation with her about 
food and our families and um but yes everyone should read it um I think she's also got another book coming out this year I think it's um not exclusively by her but it's a collection of essays about I'm just fact checking myself here one sec because <laughs> it I'm... Well, I think that she was going to release a whole lot of unwritten work that nobody would publish once upon a time, and now people are desperate to publish it. Yeah. Um, that was something she mentioned when I saw her in conversation with another incredible woman whose name I cannot remember because I had laryngitis when I went to see her. So I'm sorry. Roxanne Gay clouded my vision. <laughs> oh, she's also, um, you know, she writes Black Panther, the Marvel film that's just come out. Yeah. She's been writing the comics with um Tanahedi Coates for the last few years. She just does everything. She's just um, incredible. I've definitely just talked a lot about Roxanne Gay though, and you wanted to talk about folk stories or something. So would you like to do that? <laughs> I think I changed my mind about the folk stories. Um Okay, we can save that for another day if you'd just like to fangirl. Um, I, I do I just really want to find this because I'm really mostly just because now I've gotten myself in this thing where it's I really want to know what this book is. So she's editing a book it's a selection of essays one a couple of them will be also from her and i believe it's largely about um it's called not that bad and it's largely about um toxic masculinity and living under it sounds interesting yeah um so you know as with a lot of box and gay i don't expect it to be super light but i expect it to be super engaging and satisfying and you can't put it down even if you're like fucking crying in the middle of the workplace and the thing is like I don't want people to think that her writing is just depressing and sad because it's it is that sometimes but I always walk away from it feeling a little bit empowered absolutely and I think in difficult women especially like one of the themes that I found in those stories was the friendships that were there that were so strong that kind of made up for the really shitty romantic or like just not romantic I don't even want to call it that um relationships and like abusive relationships yeah there were these kind of enduring friendships underneath that that I mean I think you wouldn't be going too far wrong to say that Roxanne Gay is a part of the reason this podcast exists I thought you were going to say she's definitely part of the girl gang, but oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, like, if she'll have us, yes. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> but, like, I think that some of the conversations and thoughts we've had around how she, like, female friendship have in part come from reading her books. Oh, definitely. So if you like the podcast, read all of Roxanne Gay's books. Just yeah. devour them. Read them 600 times. Fiction, non-fiction, you get through all that, go to a Twitter feed. Read the whole thing from start to finish. And then if you read that, you'll probably want to start watching The Bachelorette. And, I mean, that's your weekend gone. You're done. <laughs> Life's over. <laughs> no, I love she does um, weekly reviews and recaps for Outlander. <laughs> Which is my guilty pleasure. <laughs> There's absolutely nothing wrong with some pop culture. Oh, no. Highbrow culture gets boring. And we won't get into it here, but you know my defences on the outlander front. (laughs) I have them. All right. Well, maybe we will wrap up the episode there. As always, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Girl Gang Podcast. You can email us at thegirlgangpodcast at gmail.com. 
And our website is www.girlgangpodcast.com, which is where you can find information information and our latest episodes. Our latest episodes and our really fun picture gallery of everyone that is in the girl gang, which is growing and growing and growing and it'll take over the world one day. Um, And yeah, you can download or subscribe um, on your favorite podcasting app. Review if you want to hear that's useful. Um, And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Cheers.